in today's episode of the Iman Wire podcast. Social media is just a platform or a means for easier exhibiting certain spiritual maladies. How do we express ourselves appropriately within our tradition? Um, are we just sort of uh, speaking and then mouthing off for the sake of it? Um, or is there really some benefit that we can convey and some benefit to be had in this discussion? It's required for you to have a sheikh of Tarbiyah. And one of the first things that they get you to do is leave that which does not concern you. And it's actually incredible what that does to one's character and comportment to just begin with that. Assalamu alaikum and welcome to the Iman Wire podcast. Uh, Salim here, uh, joined by, uh, alhamdulillah, uh, a packed house. We have Imam Dawood Walid. Assalamu alaikum, Imam Dawood. Wa alaikum salam. Uh, Dr. Ustad Muhammad Ghilan. Assalamu alaikum, Muhammad. And our Ustad uh, uh, Zainab Ansari. Assalamu alaikum, Ustad. Wa alaikum, assalam. Rahmatullahi So, um, certainly this is, uh, maybe the, the, the greatest collection of, of guests at one time we've had on a, on a podcast. And I think it's, uh, appropriate because of the 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 very the important topic that we wanted to discuss today, and it's something that you know Imam Dawood that you know you and I we we one time were talking offline about this about the this this um, I can only describe it as almost like a war zone, um, not just in social media but just about the um, the etiquette or the lack of etiquettes that we as Muslims. Uh, are are uh, exhibiting towards one another based on whether we're we're, we're right leaning, or we're left leaning, or we're centrist leaning, or we believe in this opinion, or we believe in that, or uh, we accuse uh, someone of doing this, or we defend the other person of of not doing that. There's this whole culture that I can only describe as now as a war zone, and um, you know this this discussion today, inshallah, uh, is is coming out of of this um, this background. Um, every single day, there's there's something going on. Every single day, there's a person, you know, insulting another. And these are Muslims doing this to other Muslims. So we've come together today, inshallah, to sort of talk about some of those issues and and uh, um, and, and try to address maybe some of the, the the root causes or some of the things that we need to be wary of and all the things that can help alleviate this situation we're in. So I'll begin with you, Imam Dawood. I like to start with just uh, a reminder uh, to the listening audience as well as myself, and I really reflect on this prophetic tradition uh, often uh, in terms of how we deal with each other as Muslims and uh, you know, we, we, we attempt or to, or we should try to anchor everything back to the person who walked this earth, who had the best conduct, not just with friends, but also with adversaries. And, um, how our beloved would act with people, uh, who were rhetorically hostile with him, who weren't Muslims. Right is a sign of even the more regard that we should have with ourselves. So, uh, I just will reference this as a start that the uh, to remind all the listeners. I'm, I know they they know about this hadith because it's very well known and it's authentic and Muslim in many books. But uh, there were uh, a group of Jews who were in Medina who were extremely hostile to our beloved 
Prophet at the time of uh, his migration. And they would uh, insult him as well as mock the Muslim greeting. So they would say, instead of Assalamu Alaikum or Assalamu Alaik, they would say to him, Assam Alaika, Assam Alaika Ya Abu Qasim, death be upon you. They would say to the beloved of God, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, and at most he would say back to them, Wa Alaikum, basically meaning back at you, at most. Uh, one day he is with uh, our mother, Aisha, may Allah be pleased with her, and they say to him, death be upon you, and her response was, and death be upon you, and God's curse meaning the removal of all mercy, uh, may death be upon you, and God's curse and his wrath, or khadab also translates anger, and our beloved, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, and when uh, in another uh, chain it says, uh, Calm down, beloved Aisha. Uh, surely God is tender and kind and he loves kindness in every matter. And that surely God is kind and he loves kindness and he gives to the kind person what he does not give to the harsh person. And in this Hadith al-unf doesn't mean physical violence. It means rhetorical violence, right? Uh, now, this is someone who's insulting. What about, on and also people who aren't Muslims, uh, who are overtly um, against and trying to undermine Islam. What about our Muslim brothers and sisters that um, we may have a disagreement about regarding uh, something uh, within the, the deen that may be legitimate ikhtilaf or a legitimate disagreement, or if someone happens to make a, a mistake and hold a position that is sincere, even though it may be sincerely wrong, according to Aqidah, for instance, right? But how should we be dealing with each other instead of the, the, the name-calling, the call-out culture? And really, and also what's made it worse, and I'm a product of the, um, the date myself, I'm a product of the 90s where on college campuses and MSAs, there would be the whole Salafi, Ikhwan, Sufi debates, right? Um, yeah, those are pretty but, tame compared to now. <laughs> but yeah, we didn't, have, we didn't have Facebook and Twitter back then, right? Now we have Facebook and Twitter. And if a, if a scholar makes a mistake, there's almost like one step coming short of pronouncing takfir on them. If someone who's in the political realm or an activist makes a mistake or even stands out, uh, does something clearly promote something outside of the boundaries uh, of the Sharia? Then uh, basically, they're uh, trash that can be thrown away. They're called names and pejoratives, and um, you know it's the state right now for me is really troubling. And this is why I wanted to you know have this uh, conversation. And we have Alhamdulillah, a dis- uh, distinguished uh, uh, sister with us as a scholar, as well as our beloved. Uh, brother of knowledge here with us who's also uh, one of the people of knowledge. Alhamdulillah. Well, thank you. First of all, um, you know, um, Imam Dawood and um, uh, Dr. Ghilan and, and Brother brother Salim for, you know, convening this important discussion. Um, you know, for me, again, I want to issue a disclaimer that I really have as little to do with social media as possible really because of this issue. I think there was probably at one point I probably did kind of try to engage more, but I realized that 
ultimately it was just, it ended up being this kind of pointless back and forth where, again, even for people who were well-meaning, I'm assuming that I'm, I'm, the assumption is that I know I was well-meaning, I'm assuming the other person was, but even as well-meaning as we, we think we are, that the platform itself just really kind of elicits a, a level of, of, of obnoxiousness where the nefs is just like, is just taking over. And that's really, really what I'm seeing happening today where it's just unleashing the nefs on this other person and um, really literally trying to get the last word. I mean, there's just, I, people are not able to just sort of step away from the, because you can't call it a conversation. They're not able to step away from this, whatever it is, this back and forth and tit for tat. You know, they're always kind of coming back to get the last word. And when, when people are trying to do that, well, then things become more and more escalated. The language is kind of like, becomes kind of more vitriolic. And then we have this, uh, this free for all where, like you said, um, Imam Dawood, people are just sort of behaving and speaking in ways that are unconscionable, where I'm assuming that, uh, if they were, I'm assuming if, if, if they were actually face to face, uh, ideally having this conversation over lunch or tea or coffee or whatever that they would, I, I would imagine, never dream to utter, utter such things. Uh, and like you said, this is to their fellow Muslim. I mean, I'll give you an example, if that's okay, if I can kind of bring this example that where I had to come in uh, and uh, so there were it was a, there was something I'd posted on my Facebook page I can't remember what it was but some article I'd posted and uh, one sister offered her opinion about the article or the topic at hand and then some other person that I don't know but she was on, on my friends list disagreed with the sister and instead of voicing her disagreement in appropriate terms I my my jaw dropped and I realized that she had actually unleashed a four letter bomb against this other sister. I'm like, subhanAllah. And then to make matters worse, the person that was using this kind of language, when I went to her profile, she had pictures of alama on her profile as if to suggest she's a student of knowledge. So I had to, as you can imagine, delete the post, unfriend the offending person. I sent her a message telling her why I was unfriending her, and I had to apologize to the other. I mean, I never really, I did not, I mean, I don't know, I, I probably came up maybe in a more innocent time, but I came up in a time when the idea of a Muslim like using foul language was unthinkable, and the idea of using it against another Muslim was even more unthinkable. And this is where we find ourselves today. Subhanallah. والصلاة والسلام على سيدنا وحبيبنا محمد الخاتم الأنبياء والمرسلين وعلى آله وصحبه أجمعين. Um, just to uh, take off from the, both of these um, uh, wonderful people here and the comments that they made, uh, Imam Dawood and uh, Sister Ustada Zainab. It's interesting. Allah Subhanahu wa Taala tells us in the Quran uh, about to to talking to the beloved sallallahu alayhi wa alayhi wa sallam and he's telling him وَلَوْ كُنْتَ فَضًّا غَلِيظَ الْقَلْبِ لَنْ فَضُّوا مِنْ حَوْلِكَ فَبِمَا رَحْمَةِ مِنَ اللَّهِ لِنْتَ لَهُمْ وَلَوْ كُنْتَ فَضًّا غَلِيظَ الْقَلْبِ لَنْ فَضُّوا مِنْ حَوْلِكَ So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says to the beloved sallallahu alayhi wa sallam that it's by the mercy of Allah that you became soft with them, lenient with them and he's talking to the beloved sallallahu about the companions He's saying that these companions, the best of creation after the beloved sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, had you been harsh-hearted and, and, and strong-worded with them and, and used difficult language with them, they would have departed from you. So if that's the case with the beloved and the companions, <laughs> what does that say about us, you know, in our station? And in this day and age of people wanting to talk about all of these high kind of isms and philosophical things or whatever, we, we don't even know the basics of engagement. You know, basics of al-Muslimu man salim al-Muslimu, man salim al-Nas, 
the Prophet tells us that the Muslim is the one who all people, from their tongue, their rhetoric, and their hand. Either it's verbal violence or physical violence. And he says, A Muslim is not someone who uses foul language. So it's really fascinating to watch the online engagements that Muslims have and uh, maybe just to shed some light on, I mean, uh, what Sister Zainab was mentioning that it's um, uh, this nufus that are going, it, it actually is nufus. They've done some studies on this. Online, your prefrontal cortex is not engaged. We know that. So your, your executive decision-making, the checkpoint that your brain has to say, should I or should I not, is not engaged. So we issue statements and we write and we just engage and it's literally just all limbic system. It's all amygdala. It's all just this violent, emotional, let me just kind of get things out there. Topped off with the fact that, you know, they estimate somewhere around 85% of communication is nonverbal. And part of that nonverbal communication, when we have it person to person, is we have these things in our brains called mirror neurons. So as I talk to you and I look at you, my brain is activating based on your physical features and your reactions to me. And so I actually tailor my engagement with you based on how you're reacting. And all of that is, is dismissed in online. You don't see any of that. You're engaged based on just emotions, nafus, and you're not seeing the reaction of the other person. And it's basically, like you say, it lends itself to this way of engaging with the other, where if you haven't been training yourself to work on your own self, to, you don't engage with people in these ways and you know, jaw-dropping, you know, four-letter word bombs being dropped and all of that. It's, it's really amazing to see that happening. But it, it is, it really is, it's almost like if you have a patient who's been hit in the front of the head and they have a disinhibition and they just, all of a sudden, things just come out of their mouth and it's like, why does this person be like this? Online is basically all of us having frontal head trauma <laughs> and we're not engaged in a way that we would normally engage person to person. And so, you know, it's, it makes sense why Many people are becoming disengaged even. It's like the, the online forums are not conducive to a proper dialectical kind of engagement that's respectful, that's all of that. So, SubhanAllah. But there's a spillover, right? Because even if you do choose to disengage personally from the online world, right? It's such a part of our, our life these days that it informs even the interactions we have like on the ground because if a certain issue goes like way like viral on social media and a certain debate goes like, you know, just crazy and you have like people just going back and forth, that eventually becomes like the, the quote unquote water cooler conversation even on the ground. And it also informs the behavior. Say there's some issue and like people say like something that happens at a masjid or something, then you're just going to have like uh, people could descend upon the community and like, oh, we're going to shut it down or we're going to do this. So all of this thing is bleeding over. Um, where, where is where where does the solution lie? Does it does it lie in just pinning everything on social media, or is it somewhere else? Well, I think social media is just a platform or a means for uh, for easier exhibiting certain spiritual maladies, mm. right? And so it exasperates the issue. And I agree with 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 Dr. I may Allah preserve him in terms of the issue that sometimes, or or many people, the deportment in person is different than online. But I have also seen, to be frank, a deterioration of deportment 
in person in our communities, especially when dealing with our elders. And I've, um, I've seen on occasions and actually had to like pull people to the side where there's like a guest speaker at the masjid or like a college university and someone will get up and they will like, will be telling someone that they're trash because of this thing that the person disagreed with. And even made us pointing their finger. I'm like, well, even if you disagree, this woman is old enough to be your mother. Maybe in some cases, grandmother. This could be your father, right? There's so at like, so it's it's, but so the the behavior that's online, and as you're mentioning, it bleeds over. is actually a, a, a symptom of the of the breakdown of of adab, uh, which we're talking about to begin with. That um, adab, and as Imam Ahmed Rafai, uh, he said, uh, "May Allah be well pleased with him." He said that sp- spiritual purification, all of it is adab, right? So uh, it goes back to what's our relationship with Allah Azawajal, right? What is our relationship with the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam? And then how does it affect our relationship with our own selves? Because if we don't have those relationships and not working on those properly, how can we have a proper relationship with other human beings, right? So... It's it's I, I believe a lot of this is a a, a deeper issue, and um, we really need to take a, a step back. And I've said this, and I wrote this in my book towards sacred activism. And there's a lot of keyboard activism that goes on too as part of the problem. But um, this is why I believe that uh, Sheikh at Tarbia or Sheikha at Tarbia is something that is mandatory in these days and times. For, for all of the Muslims. And uh, given that Musa, السلام, who was one of Ulu Azam al-Rusul, one of the great messengers of God, if he uh, had to have a spiritual guide, Al-Khidr, السلام, uh, uh, one of the prophets of Allah, uh, Kalimullah, right? If, 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 or he did need a spiritual guide, then I say that... Uh, where are we at if we don't have a spiritual guide and spiritual mentors to help us in checking, you know, our nafus and, you know, helping us with our relationship with Allah and His Messenger, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. You know, I, I really need to kind of go back for a second and actually correct myself. And I, I think that part of the problem is that the way we speak and just kind of just the very orienting our speech, first of all. So, I mean, there's a reason why if you look at the way that that ulama are, their discourse and the way that they speak and their oratory, there's a reason why we begin everything with Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim, alhamdulillah, right? And wassalatu wassalam ala rasulillah, there's a reason why we do that, right? Because the Prophet said, alayhi salatu wassalam, that every matter that is sort of commenced, la yudhkar fihi ismullah, is fahuwa abtar, that it's, um, it's, it's cut off, it's bereft from any type of barakah or blessing. So this is why we frame even, whether it's a formal or informal, any kind of discussion, presentation, conversation, teaching, oratory with the, the, the basmalah, Invoking the mercy and compassion of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, his name, and then praising him and, and bringing in the salutations upon the Prophet alayhi salatu wasalam. Because ideally that if we begin our, our discussion this way, how, how do we go from this lofty, sublime place to, 
God forbid, you know, um, profanities and these kinds of things. So I think part of it is just we have to really relearn how do we express ourselves appropriately within our tradition? Um, are we just sort of uh, speaking and then mouthing off for the sake of it? Um, or is there really some benefit that we can convey and some benefit to be had in this discussion? I think we've lost sight of the importance of, as Shah Hassan al-Ashab uh, calls them, the um, sciences of silence. That in silence, and, and I know this is anathema to anyone on social media, right? <laughs> but um, the, it's all about amassing followers. And you know, people say, why aren't you on Twitter? I'm like, why? So I can have like five people follow me and it's like all my family members? Like, what's the point? So, you know, the the idea of um, being silent, because I think in, in, in silence we can learn so much and we can reflect and we can be contemplative. And again, the platform, as um, Imam Dawood and, and Dr. Ghilan are saying, doesn't lend itself to that at all, to being silent. It is really literally the loudest person who's making the most noise and being the most obnoxious who's able to kind of uh, sort of stir up the most attention. And that's the problem there. One of the most bizarre, if I can give an example, one of the most bizarre things that I've seen um, is, you know, we're centering the discussion about adab, right? But even adab is in itself is becoming an issue in social media. Yep. In, in the sense that, you know, let's say, okay, person on the left, person on the right, you know, one person says the other, whatever, maybe it's a four-letter word, maybe it's something else, and they'll be like, you have no adab, right? And then the other side, uh, they respond or, they, or another situation comes up and they're like, you don't understand what adab is. You know, don't play the adab card. I've heard this, this sign. So yeah. I think it'd be instructive to get your 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 thoughts about what is it to what does it mean to have adab in 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 the sphere of our interactions today. That in itself is being um, taken and interpreted and trying to be twisted into meaning something um, different for for people. So it, it serves their own agendas. Well, you know, have I used the word adept to shut down conversations, if I may? Yeah, I, there was, I have definitely invoked adept to shut down conversations that I thought were just pointless and just not productive. So I've been guilty of that. Um, but having said that, I mean, I if we were to take a look at, uh, say, I don't know, Imam al-Ghazali or in the way, I mean, my goodness, the way that he actually writes about the adab that we should have with our teacher, like we would look at it today in terms of this is so obsequious and this is fawning and this, that, and the other. And I think we need to take another look at that because – Again, we, everybody in this day and age, we all feel that we all have kind of like equal claim to this platform to have our, 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 our voices heard. And I am perhaps a little, little old fashioned with this. I believe that we ha kind of have to earn perhaps the right to, um, the right to speak and the right to have kind of to have this pulpit. And that, you know, some random person mouthing off on Facebook is not the same as one of our scholars coming in and, and sharing some wisdom. So I tend to kind of look at it through that lens that I don't personally, I feel like we don't ever, I feel that spiritually we will not be led astray if we, if you want to say error on the side of greater caution and in our interactions and in greater adab, I ultimately, I believe it's only to our advantage, but I can also understand that from the other side, it looks like you're, you're just trying to censor them and shut them down when you invoke adab. And I have been guilty of that. Well, I also think too, that in this part of the, the, I think the intellectual crisis that we have in the influence uh, within the United States of America, because this teaching of, uh, social egalitarianism and that there is there are no need for hierarchies or hierarchies in of themselves are wrong so when that intellectual construct is in someone's mind along with the nefs which is inside their two sides then like 
who are you to tell me anything about adab or about this is a scholar or this is an elder because we're all supposed to be equal, right? Everything, we're on equal platform. All of us are 100% equal in everything. There's no, there's no distinction in, you know, because this is hierarchy or if the scholar is male in particular, then that's patriarchy. So then that's seen as being evil. So then the nefs kicks in and then they, people feel, um, compelled to then want to speak out. And then in many cases, it's, uh, as we're talking about adab, we see a lot of this of people going way beyond the parameters of what is, is what is decent. And so I think that's some of it is spiritual, but it's also a, an in, subtle, like, uh, intellectual frames have, or certain intellectual frames have subtly gone into our psyches and we don't even know it when we, uh, embrace some of these philosophical constructs and then even um, regurgitate some of this language, you know, about, you know, there is no hierarchy or, you know, all patriarchy is bad or, you know, the, the, or, or, or they say, oh, that the, we don't know, we know that scholars don't have isma, like they're not infallible, but so oh, well, he doesn't, he's not masum. So that's the, she's not masuma. So then that gives the credibility. Let's tear them up because, you know, we have to first say they're not infallible. So then they can be, you know, torn to shreds. So some of this is intellectual as well. I believe it needs some uh, retweaking and and and, and talk talk through. So I, I want to just go back to adab. But does adab mean? Because I think for say I believe in a certain position and I see and I and I am fighting against let's say a certain ism, just to keep it generic here. Mm-hmm. Um, that ism or that platform or that you know what that person is promoting that i have to stop them because i am on the hook and we have to prevent we have to preserve our religion we have to prevent these people from distorting the religion it's affecting everybody i have to stop them especially on social media i have to stop them however means i have to stop them that's what i'm going to do right if i am soft in everything i do then how am I going to be able to stop them? Because this is the argument made these, for those people, and 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 give them credit. You know, it's it's important to have that that feeling about the dean, right? And and that's something that I think all of us all of us share. But the process is considered that if you have adab, that means you're soft, and you won't get the job done. What do you have to say to that? Uh, I've entered a vow of silence right now. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I think uh, first, maybe just for the listeners who don't know what the word means, um, yes. it's good to define what the word means. So um, uh, I, I really like the play on the triliteral root words of things. So there's adab, switch the letters around, you get bada'a, and then you switch it around, you get dab. And so adab is generally translated as comportment. Ma'duba. Um, is like a, a banquet, a table of a banquet where you can, and there's a, a way of comportment of how you conduct yourself when you're invited to a ma'duba. And it's a place where you you get taught proper comportment, how to conduct yourself. It There's an element of wisdom involved in that, which is to say the right thing at the right time. When you enter into a gathering, for example, you always go to the host, first of all. You don't just say salam to whoever. You first go to the host. And if it's like a public gathering, you go to the elder, say salam to that person, and then the next one's in line. And so there's that kind of proper address, you know, so the proper conduct at the proper time, say the right thing, <clears throat> don't speak out of turn. That's all part of comportment. 
Bada'a is to say that it's to begin. So everything must begin with that adab. Da'ab is this is how you conduct yourself all the time. That's your da'ab. So adab is kind of like a, a way of being. And I would have to say, like, um, Sister Zainab, when she mentioned that sometimes she used it, invoked it to shut down conversations that were unproductive, that's actually part of adab. Because this is not a productive conversation. So let's just shut it down. That's adab. Um, adab also is not just about being nice. The Prophet wasallam. there was one of the companions who was strutting his stuff and walking in front of the, the army and walking in a very arrogant way. And he said, that's a walk that Allah hates except in this particular place. Because you're showing off to that enemy that you're a strong person. Adab is someone who's being arrogant and someone who's showing off and someone, someone doing these things. Is that you actually rise above and you shut them down. That's not being rude. That's, that's actually part of adab. Because you're doing the right thing at the right time. The great Sufi masters say that arrogance in the face of arrogance is actually, that's what you need to do. So that's, first of all, just to know, like, what were we talking about when we say adab? You know, use the Arabic word and then people's like, what am I talking about here? So when someone is, if you're, uh, if you're uh, uh, responding to a wrong, first of all, adab is to know yourself, first of all. Are you equipped to address this issue? You know, know yourself. If you are not someone of that particular, and just being a person of knowledge in one area doesn't mean that you're a person of knowledge in other areas. You know, are you capable of speaking on this? Have you studied this matter? Have you gotten into it? And if you can, then you can respond. Adab is to know when to be silent. You know what? This is not a matter we're going to get into. Just let it play out. And a lot of times, because of the nature of social media, you can just let things play out and they will just dissipate because they're just a flash and then they go off. So that's part of adab as well. Um, so just I wanted to get that kind of definition first of all and just get you know people to orient ourselves and to what do we mean when we say these things? And and it's not always, I mean, there are some places where it's, just, it's always going to be wrong for you to talk. It's always going to be wrong for you to speak in a particular way. You know, it's always going to be wrong to use foul language. The companions, after the treason that was committed by the tribe of, uh, what is it, Bani Quraidha? Ghazwat um, al the Battle of the Trench. Two companions went and one of them started cursing him, saying, calling names. And one and the other one said, The thing that's between us and them is greater than just calling them names. We have a bigger, bigger fish to fry, basically, is the idea here. And I think a lot of us, you know, just um, you know, those who have some sort of I mean, the democratization of platforms is really a big problem because everybody feels like can say something, and it's the death of expertise and the lack of hierarchy, you know, or the vilification of hierarchy. But you know, uh, I, it's almost like a, if you go to a physician and you have a headache that's been kind of ongoing for a month and you've never had this headache before and it's just, you know, just you don't know what it is and you're starting to have problems with the eyesight and, and the physician just keeps giving you Tylenol or Advil, get a new physician. You know, this is, you might have some sort of a tumor growing in your head and this person is not doing the right thing. You have to get to the root cause of the problem. And I think a lot of what we see on social media is just symptoms of things playing out. And if we don't get down to the bottom of it, for example, in Husni Islam, a lot of us are getting into matters that is just layanik. 
And if you just invoke that and just deal with that issue. Part of the excellence of once Islam is to leave alone, which right. isn't conserving. Exactly. Concern him or her. That's yeah. the translation. Yeah. Hadith. So, I mean, when Imam Dawood was mentioning that um, uh, we, we are in a time where it's necessary, it's, I, and I believe the same, it's required for you to have a sheikh of tarbiyah. And one of the first things that they get you to do is leave that which does not concern you. And it's actually incredible what that does to one's character and comportment to just begin with that. I just wanted to add that um, to the conversation. And I think also part of it, and, and, and Jazakumul Khair to everyone here, this is a very valuable conversation. Alhamdulillah, I'm learning so much. I think part of it is um, also to understand that if you do acknowledge that, okay, this person is a scholar, they've trained, they've studied, they have some, you know, they're going to either have some authority to speak on this or at least have a very well-informed opinion, that I think part of maturity is just that you might not agree with what they have to say, right? And how do you manage that? So what I'm seeing here is that, because people will, will actually maybe seek out the the view of someone who's trained, of a, of a sheikh or a scholar or an, or an alim or, or what have you, um, you know, and if they don't like what they hear from that person, then all of a sudden, well, now this person is no longer credible in my eyes. And, you know, as, as opposed to having the maturity to understand that this person is not going to necessarily give me what I want to hear, but they are going to instead give me an answer that is, that is well-reasoned, that is balanced, that is in, in uh, basically in accord with what they've studied, with what they've studied from the Sharia, that it's, it might not, again, sort of um, be as responsive of my kind of like sort of postmodern sensibilities as, as I would like, but it's still kind of a balanced <clears throat> approach and it's worth considering. You know, so an example that I, 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 you know, like to share is um, when someone on Facebook tagged me in a post about a very controversial kind of issue, and I asked them to please, um, to please untag me because I didn't want to be engaged in kind of back and forth with people. So I said, look, message me privately, and we'll talk a little bit about this. And again, I'm not trying to hold myself up as, as some authority or scholar, but the sister reached out to me. So I said, look, let's talk about this privately. And I gave her an answer that I felt was in accord with how our tradition kind of understands the topic and has addressed this topic. And it was not satisfactory. And I've had this experience several times, perhaps you have as well, where you will give an answer that's just not satisfactory because you're not giving that person exactly what they want. And I think what we need to learn here is that part of the process is being able to take this and just kind of sit with it, right? And see where it takes us and learn from this and have the maturity to understand that this is even though it might not immediately kind of give us the gratification we're seeking, that this is perhaps a more measured way of looking at this. And, you know, and ultimately the reason why I asked to be kind of removed from the conversation on social media was because it was such a controversial, such a painful topic for, for so many women that their response to this was, you know, these male scholars, they, they don't get it. They're not, they're just so, you know, they're just not, um, they're insensitive. They just want to uphold the patriarchy. Let's burn the whole thing down. And I'm quoting now. Mm-hmm. Right? Wow. Let's burn the whole thing down. I mean, what? Where, where does that, what does that get us? Where does that take us? Where does that lead? Right? So, and that's why I asked to be removed from that conversation because I'm, I'm not interested in having a conversation about burning things down, but how can we build and rebuild and fortify each other? And you're also alluding to something else too about adab and with teachers. And uh, if people don't get the answer they want, then they many times they'll go to what inclines to their nafus. So they'll go to Sheikh bin Google and Ustada 
bent Facebook, right? So they'll Google something, look up an opinion or see a video, or they'll go to some person that has written or said something that inclines towards their nefs uh, without having a relationship or even many times knowing the credentials of that person as a way of, inf- and it actually inflames the situation uh, even more. I also want to say something too. Ustad Zamp just actually displayed something uh, about Adab that I like to say as well. Um, that people should be aware of, I mean, she just displayed it herself, is that Omar uh, al-Khattab, he said, Man qala alam jahil. Whoever says about themselves, I'm a scholar, they're really an ignoramus, right? So it's of the people of learning as scholars that they don't call themselves, look at me, look at me, I'm this big scholar, you're supposed to follow me, take from me. It's their peers of those who know will then recognize the scholarship of another person. So Ustada Zainab is showing Adab saying she's not a scholar, though she is She's Ustada, no doubt about it, and one of our uh, more learned people of Islamic knowledge here in America. And I suggest uh, that if you're looking for uh, some authentic knowledge, especially a sister who's looking for someone as a as a sister teacher, that you would confer with Ustada Zainab. And there's one thing that um, I, very first text I studied was Matna Al-Akhdari, Maliki. Yes. And if you recall, Imam Dawood would, know this but like yeah. <laughs> in uh, he says uh, halfway through it he's like wala hilu lahu a yafala fi'lan hatta ya'lamu hukm allahi fihi wa yas'ala al-ulama it is impermissible for an individual for a mukallaf for somebody yes. who's legally bound to do anything <laughs> until they know what the ruling of Allah is on this matter and to ask the scholars which is part of adab that yes. you do that and the thing about taklif is that it, there's a difficulty that it, it, it will come up with you know, we have this language of deen yusr. Religion is ease, just do whatever you want. And there's some research that suggests now that shows the millennials especially, part of the reason they're losing their religion is because of churches that have accommodated for them. They've watered down their Christianity and they're basically saying, do whatever you want. And so basically, you come to me, I will make it halal for you. And the millennials actually see through that. We have an intuitive sense, even if we consciously don't recognize it, that for us to improve, to be better, to do anything of value, we have to undergo some sort of a constriction, some sort of difficulty. You want to yes. be strong, you have to lift heavy weights. You want to get some sort of an accolade in, in education, you have to go through years of study. We know that. We know it intuitively. So when it comes to religion, we know that if you want to improve spiritually, you have to go do some things that you don't like. And so when you hear a, an answer from scholars that you may not, it may not be, you know, it may not coincide with your postmodern kind of zeitgeist sensibilities that you see in the culture today. That doesn't mean that the scholar is wrong. You know, your disagreement is not always legitimate disagreement. It might be just your nafsani kind of desire saying, like, I don't like this. And you just have to be okay with that. And again, it goes back to you need a sheikh to tell you so that you can understand what is your nafsani part and what is genuinely like you actually have a legitimate intellectual thing to say about this and maybe the scholar can engage back with you. And subhanAllah, I have never sat with any teacher. All of these elders, mashallah, you sit with them. Again, back to the point that Imam uh, Dawood made about Ustad Zainab, they don't actually talk to you from like an, a pedestal. They will engage with you. It was like, subhanAllah, like, okay, like, tell me, teach me. Maybe you have something. Because they operate on the principle of uh, you know, something you could find in a river, you may not find it in a sea. So even with their students, the humility of the scholars is that they'll even 
entertain you for a little bit and maybe that you'll turn your, their attention into something they're not aware of. And their humility is that if they do see something that they got wrong, they will go back and correct it. But you have to have this kind of adab, this comportment, this relationship of I acknowledge my limitations as I'm really a nobody and I'm just trying to navigate through this world with all of my mess. And this is a sheikh, this is a teacher, this is a scholar. And I'm coming for guidance because this is my way to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. These are people of the Quran and Sunnah. They're not speaking from their own, generally anyways, from their own whims and desires. So, In terms of, in terms of this issue of the ikhilaf and the differences, for a lay person, what must they know about the differences of opinion about a certain matter? And if they are aware of, like I say, basic differences of opinion, um, you know, you get to a point where you can, like if you see something that is maybe not aligned to what your understanding of the a ruling is or opinion is, but like, you know, there's, there's a certain level where you can be accommodating of every opinion, right? And some of the most, some of the most learned uh, uh, scholars in the past, I mean, they would say of them, like, you know, they, they, they rarely, rarely, you know, said something wrong about, you know, admonished because they, they knew that it was, there was room in the, in the law that accommodated a certain opinion. But that obviously, from a practical point of view, for most people, it's very difficult to get to that point, right? Because we don't know all the different opinions. But there's also like a certain line where what line can or cannot be crossed, so from a, from a layperson point of view, it gets very confusing about understanding, like, a, at what point do I, like, this is not a difference of opinion anymore. This is not like the, like, you know, the, the, uh, the majority of opinion where I need to, like, get help. Maybe not me, myself, do something, but get, you know, p- people to help and, and, and advise or correct the situation. So in terms of that sort of balance, how, how, and your advice to lay people, particularly. I mean, obviously, scholars have their own level of interaction. I think a lot of times we talk about the Bikhtilaf, it's, 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 it's primarily a discourse that happens amongst the scholarship. It's not like lay people should be having these debates about all these things we debate about on social media in general, right? Uh, but it turns out that that, that actually usually occurs now. Um, sometimes even scholars with lay people and lay people with lay people and scholars with scholars even, unfortunately. Um, so what are some of the, 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 the principles or, ba- or ways to balance that for, for, for a general, general population in, in terms of how to, to navigate that? Well, I think, at least from my perspective, these things are being debated. Are we talking about ma'alima min ad-din bil-darura? Because for me, that would be the first go-to, right? right I, I right. think that there are some things that clearly... You know, we kind of go beyond those things. Now we're outside the pale. Um, we're out. We're out of bounds. But I, I, I personally find that much of what's being debated, discussed, is really there is a lot of room for latitude mm. there in terms of ikhtilaf. But you know, again, this goes back to qualifications. And very few of us, really speaking for myself, are really in a position to pronounce upon. Okay, this is where these are the parameters kind of surrounding uh, the ikhtilaf and this is the extent and this is this person's opinion versus that person's opinion. I mean, this is what we need to understand here is this is actually a very highly technical discussion. And uh, as I kind of explained to my seminary students at Taysir Seminary where I teach, the qualifications for someone to be uh, considered a mujtahid within the fuqaha are just, I mean, these qualifications are beyond what we can imagine, but we have just, again, so many random people weighing in on issues that honestly required a level of technical expertise that even the mujtahideen, the, I mean, these people who had, they, they were like mujtahid mutlaq, right? Like the absolute mujtahideen amongst the scholars themselves would often eschew discussion. So it's so interesting to find people kind of getting caught up in things where honestly, I feel like the qualifications are not even there. 
So that's kind of one thing. I mean, is this, again, or is this something that is clearly demarcated by, by kind of very kind of rigid theological and juridical lines or are the, are the, are there, are the, or, or is there more ambiguity here? That's one thing. And then again, this idea that not, we don't all have to have an opinion about every single thing out there. Right. Right. right? And that this idea that we have to all have some pronouncement on, 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 on a matter is something that I don't, I don't understand uh, personally. And again, like I tell my students, if we really appreciated what it really took for these alamat to, be, to, to, to get to where they got, where they got, I mean, subhanAllah, I think all of us would just kind of throw up our hands and just uh, go back to doing whatever we were doing. I mean, the, the level of expertise that is required to have an opinion, first of all, and we're talking about decades of study. I mean, there's a, there's an know. interesting phenomenon, actually, which might explain why people think that they can talk about these things. Um, one of it is people think having a PhD in Islamic studies from, I don't know, Northwestern or whatever, qualifies you to have these opinions. So now you're a scholar. Um, and they set aside all the actual requirements to delve into the primary text and do that. But the second thing is it's a, it's a social psychology phenomenon. And it's called... Um, I can't remember the specific term, but it's something like expertise by proxy. Just the fact that I associate with or I have been in the presence of some people of knowledge that gives me the illusion that I can also, you know, I sat in some classes, I sat in some lectures, I've heard some technical terms, I know a couple of Arabic words. I think I know something about a subject. And the experiment that was interesting that they've uh, done on this was they asked people, do you know how the toilet works? You know, excuse me for the example, but that was the example that was used. But do you know how the toilet works? And a lot of people say, yeah, of course, I know how it works. And then when you ask them about the technical details of how it works, it's like they don't actually know. They just know a plumber. And the plumber came to the house and, and they kind of got some yeah. things from it. It's a fascinating... Yeah, and so it's it's a fascinating kind of thing. Like, do you know how your electric circuit works in the house? Yeah, sure. And then when you ask him details about it, like how does it actually work? And it reveals like, oh, I actually don't know what I'm talking about. <laughs> I have no idea. And so the same thing with Islamic studies. I think the plethora of just resources out there, the, the expertise by proxy here is through Google. The fact that I have an ease of access where I can just, Type in whatever, and I get answers through whichever uh, you know source, legit or not. Who knows how to evaluate the sources? Even <laughs> gives people the illusion that they think I can talk about these matters and I can engage in discussions. So, yeah, um, and also the in addition of information, it gives this imposition upon one to I have information, so therefore I should have an opinion. As opposed to, I've been exposed to some things and you could just, maybe I don't know what I'm talking about. I'll just move on. How relevant is this to your immediate life? That's really the right. question I would ask. I was like, does this matter to you right now? Imam Malik, when he would get asked a question, he would be like, did that happen? Did that happen to you? And if it didn't, he's like, come back when it happens to you. <laughs> then I'll answer your question. Because when I talk about difference in opinion, beyond known from the religion by necessity, there is the point, again, back to you needing someone to, to go back to. Because fatwa, traditionally speaking, was not meant to be a generalized thing for everybody at all times, in all contexts, in all places. It was always like Ibn Abbas, the famous story of Ibn Abbas, in the same gathering, two men come to him, one after the other, both of them asked him about Tawbah for murder. For one, he says no, and for the other one, he says yes. 
And when the students were confused about it, I said, the first one clearly was in regret. And he said yes to him. And he had already done committed murder. And the second one, I could see the anger in his eyes and he wanted to go and kill somebody. And so I had to tell him, no, mm-hmm. there's no toba for that. So to stop him. So that's the mufti gets to know like what's your situation. And that's why Ibn Asher says, to accompany a sheikh who knows the past to support to help you avoid falling into these destroying things that can destroy your soul. It reminds you of your Lord when you see them and will re- and will get you to reach your Lord. So, you know, it's just some I'm just stirring some thoughts about this stuff. A, a couple of other things, and you mentioned something about the scholars, and this relates to uh, adab, and we know that our Prophet, that the scholars are the inheritors of the prophets. What I've heard is some people say, well, you know, uh, I'm on the ground. I'm doing, I'm organizing this rally. I'm the community organizer, or I'm the one who's running for office. And the scholar, you know, he or she is not in the streets. And I've like had some discussions and he literally used they're not in the streets, right? So because they view themselves as on the streets, this totally is used as a term of delegitimizing actual Islamic scholars. Whereas the scholars in Islam uh may not know the particulars of all situations on the streets, the scholar still has the expertise of the general boundaries within inside of the Sharia and the ethical guidelines that we operate in in general. So uh, that first group or the former group is dependent on the latter in this context. They are dependent on the scholars. The scholars need to be in conversation with the activists and the organizers. Begin. truth is unified, but there is a hierarchy of knowledge. So we can't act as if um, community organizing or having some knowledge about political science is equal to the Sharia, is equal to uh, spiritual purification, which uh, informs akhlaqiyat or Islamic ethics. That's one thing. The second thing is one of my uh, teachers, Rahmatullahi Ta'ali, um, I remember in a uh, hadith lesson, he looked over at me, um, well, I was like well over 20-something years ago, and he said, uh, Dawood, remember, so you can be sincere and be sincerely wrong. And I say that because people are driven. They feel like they have to answer to this on social media. They have to answer to this at this um, action, or they feel like they have to answer to this and do a rad to someone, uh, a refutation to someone at like a public lecture. Well, just because you feel sincere about it doesn't, or myself, doesn't mean that we're right, right? So we can't confuse the matter. And this is where we need to take a step back uh, hadith about this that acting in haste is from the devil, right? So we have to take a step back and be patient and really investigate. Number one, is this my emotions getting the best of me, my nefs? Uh, number two, do I actually have the knowledge or expertise? Number three, can I just talk to this person to get more background on actually where they were coming from? Or maybe I misheard, or maybe I don't know the full details, or maybe like you mentioned with Ibn Abbas, maybe this is the answer for this crowd, but maybe there'd be another type of nuanced answer, a different answer for another crowd, right? So it's it it, it takes a level of um, uh, spiritual and emotional uh, maturity, uh, and uh, you know we we have to try to. To, uh, to model this, um, but we just can't be in this mode of seeing other people in the community as 
the adversary that we have to fight, that we have to, um, you know, we have to get them in check. And this is a mentality that's really, um, uh, well, as you said, a nefsani. It's really, it's, it's something that's spiritually damaging. You know, as we come towards the end here, um, actually, when you were speaking, Imam Dawood, I was thinking, actually, there's this old uh, uh, classic of uh, Western literature. I don't know if you call it classic. But it's called Gulliver's Travels. I don't know if anyone's read. But if I remember, it was a long time ago, but there's a race that this, this, this person he visits. I think they were like horses or something. But like when they would come together, like they would be silent for like a long time before they said anything to each other. And it was to... It was that they just were thinking deliberately of how to speak and how to comport themselves. I wanted to sort of take that and, and say, like, you know, what is a spiritual game plan for someone who's going to be uh, on social media, also just you know, face to face? What should what should that what should they be um, internalizing even before the interaction with the other, right? Or what should they what should they be thinking before, like, say, on social media that so and so says something that is completely wrong, and you you have this desire that you want to rebuke them, you know, because you may, some people will argue that if someone says something wrong publicly, they should be rebuked in full publicly, right? Like, you know, fire with fire. So what are some of the things that we should keep in mind um, pre-interaction and like, right before interaction, if we choose to have that interaction, to keep in mind spiritually, to help us, you know, guide us through that? I think understanding the difference between um, nasiha, which is wise sage counsel which is actually grounded in principle and just kind of rebuking someone or calling them out just kind of um for self-aggrandizement that's mm. what i would say um now now for example if someone is saying something that just is out of bounds theologically something that's blasphemous something that is insulting to the prophet alayhi salatu wasalam you know this is actually our obligation to uh, i was actually reading a book about the syrian ulama and um and they were discussing um, uh, Sheikh um, uh, Saeed Ramadan al-Buzi, Allah yarhamu, and how he actually I had to come out with a public proclamation against somebody who had really said something quite disparaging about the Prophet alayhi salatu wasalam in an, in an event to, I, I think, in an attempt to impress some, some interfaith guest. This was someone um, who had said something about the Prophet alayhi salatu wasalam, and Sheikh al-Buzi came out. And he, he was normally very kind of lenient, very gentle, but he came out and said, no, this is not how we how we speak. So, but, you know, but again, for many issues, I really feel that we have to just temper our response because... You know, if we're positioning ourselves as defenders of the faith, you know, we need to look at that. Are we really trying to defend the faith or is this some kind of self-aggrandizement? Is this some, or are we kind of personalizing something that we shouldn't be personalizing, I would say? Because the problem with issuing a rebuke on social media is that nasiha ceases to be nasiha when it's very public, right? Now it's basically kind of like shaming this person. And that's why, you know, I'm, I'm not at all a fan of, um, mentioning people by name unless, you know, there is some, you've consulted with people and there's some absolute benefit in, in issuing whatever you need to issue regarding that person. But otherwise, keep things very general. Because once you kind of bring names and in, in, into things, I just think that it really kind of shuts down the door for any possibility of really approaching this person the way that we should approach them, you know, and, and say privately counseling them regarding things. So that would be uh, the that that would be I think one of the suggestions that, that I would have. And then again, just trying to think well of that person. That often, 
when people say things, say someone is saying something misguided about the religion, I mean, sometimes it's coming from a place of, I mean, again, they, they believe they're being sincere. Sometimes it's coming from a place of they have, they've had maybe some kind of uh, difficult interaction with someone in the past, mm -hmm. especially when, when we're dealing with women's issues. Mm -hmm. Oftentimes, these very troubling, problematic statements are actually a result of personal trauma. Yes. I think kind of knowing as much background about that person is also very helpful. In order to do that, you have to have a relationship with them. I want to mention uh, something uh, just to camel back on what Stada Zainab said. Um, it's the well-known statement of Umar Darda that Imam Shafi'i and Imam Musa al have also made similar statements. But it's narrated that she said that to um, extort or, or exhort, or we can also say to give uh, advice or a warning to your brother and we can also say sister in public i mean in private that you 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 honor that person but to exhort them or to uh warn them uh in public you shame them right to so tobih, right i think tobih was the word yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. so we should uh our our first inclination should be that if we see something that we that we disagree with um, especially if we know the person, is not the right of status. Is actually you can pick up the phone and call the person. If you live locally, you can set up and talk over coffee or tea or something like that. But it's that you know. But the advice, uh, even if it's something that is serious, if you know the person, approach the person uh, privately first. Why? Because all human beings have their honor and their dignity and just look at it from your own personal self of someone, especially if you know them personally is going to call you out to the entire world. You're going to put your defenses up. So it's not about trying to give any advice to, uh, you know, to help steer the person a different direction It's nothing but going to be, uh, offensive in matter, uh, in matter. Um, and also, in this um, nasiha that we have, or even if we have some disagreements about something uh, in the deen, much less politically, um, I'm not sure if, uh, well, for those who can read Arabic, I would suggest to read uh, the conversations that Al-Layth ibn Sa'ad had with Imam Malik. May Allah be pleased with them both. Al-Layth ibn Sa'ad, who was a great faqih, he disagreed with Imam Malik regarding the the proof that the actions of the people of Medina is actually a legal proof, right? But in the in the recital between those two, the letters and in the actual writing that Al Laith ibn Saad gave to Imam Malik, it was with so much a deference and so much respect about how they dealt with each other. It's like I'm telling you this, and I love you, and I, it's like it's, it's like almost you can read like I hate to disagree with you. Because I love you so much, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I still have to say I disagree because of A, B, and C. And then Malik is like, and I love you too. But I just, but then this is the proofs about the actions of the people of Medina, right? So yeah. it's, it's just, it's, it's, it's the, the, the spirit of love that we're supposed to have uh, with, with the believers that our Prophet said that, uh, 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 none of you, uh, uh, none of none of you um, will enter paradise until you believe, and none of you believe until you love one another, right? So, uh, we we have to show love, even in even in times of uh, disagreement. And Imam Dawood, this that point about adab. I mean, another thing too. I remember Kulit al Adab in Damascus was a college of you know literature. So. You know, there's something to be said about that. This, the idea of crafting correspondence, a letter. Yes. That shows a level of investment and care in that relationship mm -hmm. that I think people are reluctant to actually expend these days, but we need to. Yeah. Right? 
That's that part of like that part of that part of the word of the meaning is adab is the adib, yes. who is the one who puts words together in a nice, rhetorically beautiful, coherent you know fashion and stuff. Um, the last thing I would say, in addition to like uh, the the sound counsels that were given here with regards to engaging on social media, I'm almost certain. I haven't checked, but there's an app for everything nowadays. Um, there's got to be some app that basically takes your tweets and your Facebook posts and puts them on draft mode for like an hour at least or some sort of time to give you a chance to get back and go like, did you really want to send this? Mm. If if we know just the neuroscientific studies showing that your prefrontal cortex is not engaged, you're emotional, you're going to write vitriolic things. I guarantee you, 90% of what you write, if we just go by the 80-20 rule, 80% of what you write, you'll go back to is like, ah, maybe not. Mm-hmm. So look and see if there's some sort of app. And if there isn't, maybe just, you know, makeshift one, you know, just open your notes folder in your phone and just type what you wanted to type and just put it on pause and come back to it later and see if you really want to go out and put this. And you'll find yourself, at the very least, if you're still going to put this post out, you will readjust your language. Because you will come back to it with a clearer head. I mean, he sallallahu alayhi wa told you the remedy for your emotionally angry kind of state. Go make wudu. You know. And honestly, you want something that's mujarrab? Do not be in a, uh, always be in a state of tahara. You know, people take that for granted. And, and they just, and they's like, I'm just going to do wudu just when I pray. Actually try to be in a state of tahara all day long and do it with the intention of I just want to be ready to pray when it's time to pray, but also to just be in that state of purity. It will actually transform your state of being when you do that with intention. And you'll find yourself engaging less and less in unproductive activities like that on social media and you'll have more adab in the way that you live. That's really I want to thank uh, you, Imam Dawood, Ustad uh, Muhammad Ghilan, Ustad uh, Zainab Matsari for uh, being here today for this uh, very important discussion, and I hope it was some value for our listeners um, and hopefully can spur some uh, more discussion uh, in uh, your own circles, wherever you may be. Uh, again, thank you for listening, and uh, please share the podcast with your friends, family, anyone who can benefit. Subscribe to the podcast, give us some your feedback, and until then, uh, we'll see you next time. Assalamu alaikum, peace be unto you. Oh, I'm